Hey, you are tuned into the Bold Church podcast. My name is Yasmin Ruhi. I am one of the lead pastors here. We're so excited that you can join us for today's talk. We hope it blesses you. We hope it encourages you. And if you find it useful, go ahead and send it to someone else whose day you can bless. If you want to join us, we meet live every Sunday morning. If you want to find out our times or where we're meeting, head to our website at bold.church or head to our Instagram at boldchurch. SV. Thank you so much and enjoy today's talk. Come on, come on. Who's ready for church? Come on. We have not met. Uh, my name is Ali, my beautiful wife. Did she not preach a great word? Man, I, I can't wait for she, her to preach a whole sermon. We, it's all applied peer pressure because I've been trying, I've been praying, but she's ready. Uh, we have not met. My name is Ali. My beautiful wife and I, we started this church called Bold five years ago. And it's crazy because you don't know the story behind us. We, we have, what you don't know is last week was the first time in three years, listen, that we did Easter on Sunday morning. That's crazy. COVID, we did it online. Then we went at five o'clock for two years. And then last week, we had 288 people, 75 first-time guests, uh, nine people received Christ. It's crazy, a miracle. And I just want us to pause and just give God a shout. One, two, three, let's go. Come on. He deserves all the praise. And before we begin, I just, a few announcements. If you love this church, if you, maybe this is your second time and you're like, man, how do, what's my next step? Growth track. Growth track is going to help you discover not only the why of this church, but help you discover your why. And it's a class that we, we eat some food. We, you, you get to hang out with the, uh, me for a little bit. It's very right after church, down the hall, growth track. And next week, we got four people going public with their faith and baptism. And maybe, maybe that's you today, and you're like, man, how do I take that next step? Just fill out this Connect card. We would love to help you on your journey of faith. And uh, we are in, listen, my, one of my favorite collection of talks. Last week, last year, we do... I brought out a dude named Pablo. Pablo. And this year, check this out. He brought Bay. Prophetic. Prophetic. Eve caused the fall. It happened again. Come on. Come on, Pastor. One of the things I love to do before I get in your face with the word of God is make you laugh before I make you uncomfortable. So we do this thing I started last year called Love Letters from Kids. And before you go there, don't show it, don't show it. The reason why I do this is because kids are honest. Kids will look at you and be like, you're ugly. You need to brush your teeth. And uh, kids in their love letters, they are brutally honest. You ready for some love letters? This first love letter is not to babe, but to your mom. I love this. Dear mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face and go find you. (laughs) She is clearly from the hood, okay? You do you, Brooke. Next love letter. This one is, uh, is, is, he's real. Dear dad, I am so glad that Me and Isaac are staying with you. Me and Isaac miss you. I hope you and mom will get back together. But you and mom won't because my mom does not like you. (laughs) Keeping it real. Keeping it real this morning. Someone say, be honest. You got to be honest. This one is awesome. Uh, This is like 
almost a decade ago. Dear Wendy, I know this is weird, but I like you so much. I didn't want to tell you because you might hit me in the middle. What is it with women and violence? I don't know. Just like you hit me last time, I got you something. I hope you like it. But if you like me, I will take care of you. Care of you. If you have a boyfriend, that's fine. I will not be sad. I will buy you whatever you want, even a hundred pairs of shoes. I hope you have a great Valentine's Day. Love, Julian. Come on, ladies, you gotta know there's a little Julian in all of us. When you're not happy, we're like, what do I gotta buy her to be happy? This next one is why many of the men in this room are in therapy. Dear Keenan, I'm sorry. We have to break up. You always try to make me laugh, but you just make yourself look bad. We're over for real. And this is the part that breaks me. She wrote the word love and then she scratched it out. And then instead of writing a new letter, she says, no, I want you to see this and it breaks your heart. From Stevie. That is ruthless, girl. Ruthless. Someone say, be honest. This one is a love letter that goes back and forth. But are you ready to be there when I'm mad or need to cry and can't do things that I can't do and do with anyone else but you? Yes, I'm ready, unless I'm eating fried chicken. So chicken is more important than me? Only fried chicken and only when I'm hungry. But, but if not, then you're the only thing I care about. You're the only thing. If I wrote this love letter, it'd be like, if only Taco Bell. Come on. This one is really hard to see, but this one's really sweet. What is love by Emma? Love is when you're missing some of your teeth, but you're not afraid to smile because you know that your friends will still love you even though some of you is missing. Someone say, be honest. Now I'm going to transition to preach. Is that Okay. And if we're going to let God speak to us this morning about our relationships, we got to be honest. Someone say, be honest. So whether you're single, ready to mingle, whether you're dating, engaged, married, or single again, God will often bring you to a place where that person that you're looking for, no matter how good, how beautiful, how amazing they are, you are still missing something. And I want to speak to that pain today. And I need audience participation. If you are single... I need you to raise your hand. All the single people, don't be afraid. It's like there's more than two of you. Don't lie. Okay, now here's, keep your hand up. Here's the question. Are you content? Keep your hand up, okay? Honest people. Now here's the question. Are you content because you got that contentment from God or someone broke your heart and you don't want to try again? Be honest. Be honest. Dating. How many of you in this room are dating? No one? Some of you are like halfway. It's a bad week, Pastor. Now here's a question. How's that going? Is that person adding value to your life or drama to your life? Come on, be honest. Be honest. I, I always love it when some, someone wants to meet with Pastor Yaz and I. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to talk, Pastor. And they go on and on how amazing their relationship is, but they got drama. And I'm like, if it's so amazing, why you got to tell me for 30 minutes? And I'm like, well, what's the deal? I'm like, well... I think he's a drug dealer. <laughs> well, I think he's got a record. And I'm like, does he love Jesus, though? He wears a cross. 
my girl, he's got to carry it, not wear it. There's a difference. And maybe the confusion is you don't understand what that verse is talking about. Be honest. Next group. Anyone engaged? Anyone engaged? I was hoping Josh and Leslie would come. They got engaged yesterday. Oh, he's in the back. This is my, it's my favorite group of people. Because there are, what I've learned, levels of engagement. You're ready to get married, but you don't have a ring. Then there's people who have a ring, but they don't have a date. And then there are people who have a ring, and they have a date, but they keep kicking the can. It's like, how long have you been engaged? Like, five years. And then you ask them, like, what's holding you back? Like, oh, my gosh. And the answer is always the same. We're saving up, Pastor. And I, I did some research this morning to help you on this journey. If you go to Santa Clara County website, you can get a marriage license for $80. Did the, did, did the, this, the research for you. And if you need a judge, a judge will cost you $20. And if you, bring, if you don't bring cash and you brought a credit card, it's $2.50 surcharge. <laughs> Listen, if you don't have $102.50, I'll spot you, homie. Come on. <laughs> now, all the excuses are gone. You are welcome to elbow him right now. And if you go through our premarital link, it's free 99 at Bull Church. Come on, be honest. How is it going? What's holding you back? Married people, raise your hand. There's a lot of you in this room. Come on. Yeah. How's it going? Because when, when you're fighting, there's two kinds of fighting. There's the kind of fighting where you yell the whole way to church, and the moment your foot hits the parking lot, we're blessed and highly favored of the Lord. How are you? And then there's another one where you're so angry, you don't even talk on the drive to church, but you smile when you're in the room. How's it going? Be honest. And then there's another kind of couple where it's painful because not only... Did your partner pass away or maybe they left you and you're single because not by choice, but by circumstance and it's trauma and it's painful. And I got to ask you, be honest, how are you doing? And if this, the word of God is going to change us and transform us, all of us in this room, no matter where you are, single or single again, dating or engaged, you got to be honest. Someone say, be honest. So I'm going to be first to go first. I'm going to be honest first. I did this collection of talks because as a little kid growing up, we didn't have cable, and I'd be stuck at night. As soon as KITVU ended, like at midnight, there would be these infomercials. How many of you are going to talk about those infomercials? Where if you just wear this belt, you get a six-pack in like three weeks, right? And this, there's this OxyClean that will remove everything, every stain you can possibly imagine, or these scissors that will cut through coins. You just gotta, if you buy one, we'll send you another one for $19.99. And in these infomercials, it was like so like compelling. I would like want to call and give them my money. And the reason why is they would show me the before and then they would show me the after. And what I'm hoping to do is to show you the before. You're living the before right now. And I'm hoping after I show you the word of God, you want to go home and read the word of God because it give you a vision of what could be after. After the pain, after the loneliness, after the heartbreak that God can heal. But you got to be honest. Someone say be honest. But one thing I didn't like in the infomercials is they would hide the in-between. They would show you the before picture, and then they'd show you the after picture, and they never, they never showed you how long it took in-between. The cost, the price you had to pay. Because there's no way you're losing 30 pounds in like two days. It took weeks, maybe months. And some of you got to realize there's a price to pay to walk with God and get something from him that you're looking to get from the other person. The title of my sermon is simply this. 
I'm lonely. I'm lonely. And the misconception is that only single people have this problem. Let me pray real quick and then we'll begin. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in this faith community. God, thank you there's a room full of people that want to hear your word in the most unchurched region in the entire country, God. You're still doing miracles. You're still saving people. You don't make bad people good, God. You make dead people come alive. God, this is not a a TED talk on relationships. This is the gospel being preached that when we meet you, when we see you for who you really are, our relationships change. God, we want to walk in one way and walk out another. Change us, transform us. May we look like you, talk like you, live more like you. And if you believe that, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Come on, just make some noise for Jesus this morning. Our case study this morning is a woman named Leah. Someone say Leah. She doesn't get preached about a lot. She doesn't get talked about a lot. But her name literally means weary or exhausted. And if you're being honest this morning, some of you are, have been single for so long, you're exhausted. Some of you, your marriage is so difficult, you're tired of fighting and you want to throw in the towel. And some of you, you're single again. And the thought of going back into a relationship, starting over from scratch, is exhausting. Let me jump into the story and let me show you why. No, no, point number one is this. Sorry, you got to write this down. Loneliness is the human condition, not the single condition. We don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to show it to you in the scriptures. This is something that everyone deals with. Genesis chapter 29, when you see on the screen, someone shout amen. 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 Now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah. Someone say Leah. Leah. And the younger one was Rachel. Someone say Rachel. These are our two characters. I need you to see this. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. For those of you that are new to Christianity, don't know Hebrew, to understand what is God saying? Listen, for those of you born in, in the last 20 years, Leah is busted. She is ugly. That's what the Bible's telling you. How ugly do you have to be that the Bible calls you out? The thing about that, this is the most life-giving book in the world. And the Bible's calling this girl out. Imagine the Bible's, the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Moses lived the, four, the, four, the second four books, but he didn't live in, in the book of Genesis. He's writing from 500 years after the fact. And the Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed. So imagine Moses is writing down everything the Holy Spirit's telling him. Leah and Rachel, okay, Holy Spirit, tell me more. She's ugly. She's what? <laughs> I can't write that, Holy Spirit. You got to see this. What do you want me to say? Say her eyes got no sparkle. Okay, I can write that. (laughs) It seems sad. And I'm like, man, God, why are you doing this girl like that? For the rest of us to read for thousands of years, she's busted. She's ugly. And the reason why is he wants us to encourage everyone in this room who feels ugly. Because I've discipled people who are extremely beautiful. You would be shocked that when they stand on the scale, they have the perfect weight, but they don't feel perfect. They look in the mirror and they don't see what you see. Listen, feeling ugly is nothing that all of us are not immune to. And God put this story to give the most busted girl, forgive me for saying it, God, (laughs) hope that you're not too busted for God. That you're not too far for God to use you. God loves this woman, uses this woman, and if he can do it for her, he can do it for you. And some of you, you might push back and be like, Pastor Ali, it's different. 
She doesn't have social media. And the average person in this room, you, you might use social media four hours a day. That's what the average says. And you see the filters and you see these women, these Instagram models. It's like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to be that. And you might feel insecure so much so that you close your social media account. But imagine Leah. She lived with the Instagram model. And watch how the Bible describes her sister. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel, someone say Rachel, had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. There are only three times in the entire Bible that it uses that language to describe a woman. Sarah, Abraham's wife, Rachel, and Esther. This woman is in the top three most beautiful women in the Bible. And Leah is the most busted person in the Bible. Imagine having her as a sister. Think how hard that would be. And the story continues. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I will work for you for seven years. Ladies, that should convict you. You don't even wait seven days until you give it up. Come on. Told you I'm coming. If you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Ladies, write this down. No ringy, no dingy. Come on. It's in the Bible. Don't be triggered. Be honest. And it continues. Laban screamed, agreed. Laban replied, I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. He really loved her. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement Jacob said to Laban, now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. All you engaged men, I want you to wear this t-shirt on your rehearsal dinner. Give me my wife so I can sleep with her. And then I want you to take a picture with your arm around your father-in-law and point into your shirt. And if he gets angry, say, I'm just being biblical. Come on. Someone say, be honest. I'm trying to be honest. Genesis 29, 22. This is my favorite part. So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night, someone say that night, when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah as a servant Zilpah to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. I love the honesty of the Bible. It is so honest, it's almost unbelievable. Some of you who are haters, who are exploring God, you're like, there's no way this could happen. Let me give you three reasons why I 100% believe Jacob could have slept with a girl and not known who it was. Number one, Thomas Edison had not existed. It's dark. If you ever gone camping, the only time you can see is around the fire. They didn't have flashlights. There were no mood lights. All they had was candles, and it was already dark. Jake Laban was pulling a switcheroo, and he did it on purpose. Number two, the veil. On a wedding day in this culture, the wife wore a veil the entire wedding, and she only took it off to consummate the marriage. So she took it off when the lights were off. Number three, the third reason why I know this can be true, because many of you in this room, you're up in the club, strobe light, beer in hand, and you think you're dancing with Rachel, and then in the morning you wake up next to Leah. Come on. <laughs> so before you judge Jacob, judge yourself, because you did what he, be honest. Someone say, be honest. This can happen. 
This can happen. Coming for you. Genesis 29, it continues. What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? Someone say, tricked me. This is prophetic because Jacob's name means trickster, deceiver. His whole life, this man lies. He lied to his dad. He lied to his brothers. He's lied to everyone to get ahead. And finally, for the first time, junior varsity Jacob has met his match in varsity Laban. And that's the narrative that I always thought was the the case until I became a dad. And then I now read Laban's words very differently. Look at what Laban says. It is not our custom to marry off the younger daughter ahead of the firstborn. It's so easy to be like, oh, that was his plan from the beginning. He wanted to marry off the younger one because no one wanted. But I think in Laban's mind, he thought, I got seven years to find a wife for my older daughter. Knowing he was, and his intention was to give the younger Rachel away, but he was hoping in those seven years, someone would come for Leah. And seven years came and seven years passed and no one wanted Leah. Imagine how painful as a dad, you're wanting your daughter to get married and no one wants her. You understand in this culture, there was dowries given. I would literally pay you $50,000 to take my daughter off my hand and no one wants her. Brings, begs the question, what's wrong with Leah? And there are some of you in this room, you've been single so long, your friends are getting married, your, 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 your family's getting married, you've been like the groomsman five times, you've been the bridesmaid five times, and no one is even dating you. And the question that you ask yourself is, what's wrong with me? Am I not tall enough? Am I not pretty enough? Is my bra size not big enough? Let's be real this morning. We wonder, is my nose too big? Are my ears too wide? Am I, am I not thin enough to be loved? And the question, the pain of loneliness is this. Loneliness is not a feeling it's a, that hurts. It's a question that haunts. It haunts us. You'll watch TV shows like Love is Blind and 90 Day Fiance. And you'll, you'll wonder, how can he get married and not me? What's wrong with me? And you'll sing the songs on the radio that everyone's singing. And everyone's in a relationship except for you. And you'll wonder, What's wrong with me? And then you'll even go to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. And daddies will ride with their daughters, boyfriends with their girlfriends, and you'll get in the ride, and the seat next to you is empty. And you're reminded, what's wrong with me? And we will think this mistakenly, that only single people will have this problem. Leah was lonely before marriage, and watch this. She's going to be lonely after marriage. Watch this. Genesis 29. But wait until the bridal week is over. Then I'll give you Rachel too. Provided you promise to work another seven years. He's a tricksy little father-in-law. <laughs> so Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel. So imagine this. He works for seven years. He gets trick Mary's Leah. He's like, dude, you tricked me. I want the other sister. He goes, I'll give her to you seven more years. But a week later, he marries both sisters, but he still has to work another seven years. Now watch this. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. Then he stayed and worked for Laban an additional seven years. You can be married and lonely. My question for you this morning is, where did you go on your honeymoon? Did you go to Napa? Did you go to Hawaii? Maybe Mexico. Here's a better question. How long were you in the honeymoon phase? 
a week, maybe three weeks, maybe a month, maybe for some of you, we hate you at like 10 years and it hasn't ended. Leah's honeymoon season was seven days long because on the seventh day, her husband married her sister and he stopped loving her. And we think sometimes that only single people feel the pain of loneliness and it's not true. There are some of you in this room, you are more roommates than lovers. You are more roommates. You have more business meetings than romance meetings. And the question is, how did you get there? Sometimes it's life. Sometimes the busyness of work, the busyness of family, the busyness of kids. Kids are growing. They, they have sports. They have school. They have all these things. And you forget in all the busyness that you married her to start all this. And it's not that you don't love her. It's that you got busy. These minor things became more important than the major thing. Sometimes, though, for being honest, someone say, be honest. It's trauma. You, the way you fought in that first year built a brick wall between the two of you, and you still don't know how to communicate. And at the end of the evening, she's watching TV. You're vegging out in the room, and you're in the same house, but you're roommates, not lovers. And I wrote down like this. This may explain why some of you are experiencing. Loneliness grows when we confuse mistaken expectation and unrealistic expectation. See, we don't realize this. We, we bring expectations to marriage. Some of them will never be fulfilled. The problem is when it's mistaken. For example, unrealistic is I want to play in the NBA and I want to eat Taco Bell every day. It's never going to happen. And because it doesn't happen, I let go of those expectations. The problem with mistaken expectations is I get it, but I'm frustrated. Let me explain it to you this way. When, when you're single, you, you, say this, you say this, and it's a lie. When I find someone, then I'll be happy. And then you find someone, you'll be like, oh, my gosh, they're so jacked up. Why don't you get right? I'll be happy when you fix your life, when you stop acting selfish. And then our hope and happiness is dependent on them changing when it was never the case to begin with. And then you say this third lie, I'll be happy when I'm out. And you, all you did was Put your hope in one person, and when they didn't fulfill it, it was a mistaken expectation. I wrote down like this. You want to write this down. If you're lonely before you find someone, you'll be lonely after you find someone. That's, the, that's why loneliness is the human condition, not the single condition. And the key for you to understand that is that we have all been lied to. Jerry Maguire, you complete me. He comes around. Last year, I, I tried to cut a hole in Pablo's shirt, the heart, but I don't want to undress him, make some of you stumble. I'm going to keep his clothes on this year. <laughs> Got a lot of hate mail. Don't want to do that. I don't want Ethan to stumble because he, he was one of them. <laughs> Sorry to out you, friend. <laughs> but in our culture, we believe that there's someone out there, somewhere over the rainbow, that there's this whole, if you can't see, there's a, there's a missing piece, that there's someone out there, they complete me. They're going to they're gonna fill my heart with something I don't have. And we even have language for this person. We call them the one. Someone say the one. The one is never found in the Bible, by the way. It comes from Greek mythology. And Greek mythology has so infiltrated our culture that Disney now does this. Movies now do this. TV shows now do this. And now Christians are like, where's my one? Where's my one? There is no such thing as a soulmate before marriage. And I'll prove it to you two ways. Let me give you two reasons why, number one, your soulmate is not before marriage. Let, let's say Pastor Yaz, because I got this piece, is this piece for me. 
right? She's the one that completes me. She's my one, but we're not married yet. And let's say she, she meets me one day. She's like, he ain't cute. He ain't fly. I want someone else. She'll never say that because she has the gospel in her. But, she'll, but let's say she did. <laughs> let's, let's imagine for a moment. She's like, I don't want him. And she married someone else. That now means my one is gone. That means now I got to marry another one. I got to marry a panda now. And this is the crazy part. Now I marry someone else's one. And just take that logic. It keeps going. And, keeps, and now everyone doesn't marry the right person because one person messed it up for all of us. Doesn't make sense. Think of it this way. Theologically, why would you ever give someone that much power? That one person completes you. One person fulfills you. One person gives you. The only person that can do that, let me tell you, is Jesus. Because if your identities and a person, listen, let me give you a secret. People are crazy. All of them. Because when they're up, you're up. And when they're down, you're down. And then what happens when they die? Do you die? What happens when they cheat on you? Does a part of you break and die forever? No, 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 no. The whole logic breaks down. Especially, I see this most often when you believe, oh, there's a hole in my heart. And there's a hole in her heart. And we, when we get married, we complete one another. <laughs> Craziness. And then here's how I know you believe the logic of the one. Because when drama happens in your marriage, instead of fighting to save it, you go, I married the wrong person. You're not the one. And you'll throw away the very thing God's trying to build. Because marriage is not for happiness. It's for holiness. And there's a lesson, there's a lesson in all of the loneliness that God is trying to teach you in your singleness, but you didn't hear it because you went from man to man to man. And this is why so many people go from relationship to relationship because they, they get the butterflies and then they go away and you must not be the one. And there's a loneliness is a teacher. I wrote down like this, this, I want everyone writing this down. Loneliness will teach you, you're the missing piece looking for the big picture. See, our whole lives, we think we're this. And someone else is going to complete us. The Bible says, you're not the big picture. You're not missing. Listen. You're lost. You're lost. And the creator is looking for you. And the one that made you and formed you... He's the one that's calling out to you. Lost people aren't, don't find themselves. Lost people must be found. That's why Jesus in Luke 19 verse 10 says this, and the son of man came to seek and save not the missing, but the lost, which means he's the, that's why I chose the lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he finds you and you find your completeness in him. He's your soulmate. Listen. Even after you get married, he's your soulmate. You know how I theologically know that's true? Because marriage ends the moment you die. This marriage, as awesome, even if you marry, like notebook style wedding, you both die at the same time. Some of you, that's your dream. And you'll get to heaven and you'll realize, oh my gosh, Jesus is my soulmate. He's my soulmate. I wrote down like this. This will help some of you. 
the lesson of loneliness is to stop looking for the one and start looking for the one you were created for. The one, you were not just made to hold hands with someone. You were not made just to kiss someone. You are not made to cuddle and make love to someone. You were created for one purpose, to be connected to God. And you find your purpose in him and not that person. Let me speak for a moment to all the single people in this room who are so chasing after a man. Let me give you some good news through my own story and Pastor Yaz's story. Back in 2011, my pastor came to me in the fall and says, I want you, Pastor Ali. Or I wasn't even a pastor at the time. He's like, before you leave, Pastor Ali, because I, I wanted to leave and go start a church. He's like, stay and be a pastor here and don't leave. And I'm like, why? And for 30 or 40 days, I began to fast and pray. God, what do you want me to do? What, and it wasn't staying because of a girl. I got connected because I found my purpose in God. I heard him say, stay. At the same exact time, Pastor Yasmin, she was just a friend. She was dating a stupid boy for two years. <laughs> and they broke up around the same time. And her boss moved from California to Texas, and he said, move with me. So imagine for the first time in three years, there's no boyfriend to hold her back. Her job has moved. And she's like, Texas, here I come. And she said, instead of chasing a man, I'm going to get connected with God. I'm going to find my purpose in him. And God told her to stay because you're going to start and build a church here. Then in January, she walks into a room and sees a six-foot, extremely good-looking man (laughs) who's mildly busted. And she came up to me and said, my name is Pastor Yasmin. I do. And I said, what'd you say? She's like, nothing. I'm just prophesying over my future. But let me show you that same story in the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. This is the story of, Abraham, of Adam. Now out of the ground of the Lord, God had formed every beast of the field and brought every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call him. Adam had a calling and a purpose before a woman. Because if your woman's a purpose, you're done when the moment she leaves you. And then watch what, when you get connected to God and Make him the focus of your life. Watch what God does. Genesis 2, verse 22. And the rib that the Lord God had, f- had taken from the man, he had made into a woman, and he brought, someone say brought, brought her to the man. See, some of you are chasing after people. You need to chase after God. I wrote down like this. If you look for the person, you'll miss the person. But if you connect it to your purpose, the person will come. They'll never complete you. Jerry Maguire lied to you. Jesus is your Jerry Maguire. I complete you is Jesus' words. Married people. Let me speak to all the uh, married people in this room. There's going to come a moment in your marriage. If it hasn't happened, it's going to happen. You thought you married Rachel, and you're going to wake up, and you're look at your person, and you're like, you're Leah. <laughs> who, who are you? Who, who are you? read this book called The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. He said he has been married to seven different women and it's all one wife. Because every seven years his wife had changed so much that he had to learn to love a new person. Some of you in this room, you're trying to love the old version of her, not the new version of her. Love gives the other person what they want, not what you want. 
I remember I had to experience this. Most people get divorced year one, and the, the highest year of divorce is year seven. The third highest is year 18, when the kids move out. So in year seven, my wife and I, we had, I had the, I wake up, I'm like, Leah, <laughs> who are you? And I'm just being honest, I, the feelings of love had gone. And I'll just say that metaphorically, I literally had packed my bags in August of 2020 and I was ready to move out. Let's be real. Someone say, be honest. Yeah. And we're calling my pastor, because every pastor needs a pastor. I said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I remember him asking me what I thought at the time were stupid questions. He's like, when's the last time you bought her flowers? I'm like, are you, I just explained to you, she's Leah. <laughs> Who cares? He's like, when's the last time you bought her flowers? I'm like, blah, 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 so-and-so. He's like, when you were first dating her, how often would you bring flowers? I'm like, every time. He's like, why'd you stop? And then he's asked me, when's the last time you wrote her a little love letter? I'm like, she doesn't want it. She's Leia. She's busted. <laughs> he's like, love does with no expectation. And I remember, I was like, what are you asking me to do? I don't feel like doing this. And he's like, my homework for you, Allie, is every morning, I want you to pray. Ask God to reveal how he has loved you when he felt you were Leah. That I was the one that was unfaithful. I was the one that wouldn't listen. I was the one that was unappreciative of his love and his gestures of kindness towards me. And even though God didn't feel, even though God had irreconcilable differences against me, he still loved me. He still blessed me. He still served me. And when you realize that, you're called to give that. So I remember serving Leah, doing her laundry. You don't even deserve this. Doing the dishes. And I'd buy Leah flowers. And I'd write Leah love letters. And in my heart, it was because I didn't see her as Rachel. I didn't see her as someone I loved. I was just doing it out of the motions. And over time, in the next three months, those feelings of love began to come back. And I want to encourage some of you who are about to quit. Loneliness is trying to teach you a lesson. That your spouse will never complete you. Your spouse is not meant to fulfill you. Jesus is the big picture. You're the missing piece, and you only find your purpose in him. Amen? So I spoke to the single people. I spoke to the married people. Now let me speak to the people who are single again. And the prospect of starting over is breaking your heart. Anybody in here love Christmas? I love Christmas. My, I, it was not my favorite holiday. My, it's my wife's family's favorite holiday. And they do something that I think is super demonic. <laughs> Let me finish. Let me finish. They open up a brand new 500-piece puzzle every Christmas. <laughs> Why? 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 Just buy the picture in whole. And then they spend all Christmas Day eating candy, watching movies, and building. And I'm just watching. These people are crazy. You, you made me marry Leia's family guy? What is this? One year, this is like three years ago, they lost a puzzle piece. And they're like, they gave us the wrong puzzle. The puzzle's broken. And unexpectedly, my two-year-old daughter had taken one of the pieces and thrown it under the couch. And eventually, like a week later, we found it. 
But what do you do when the puzzle is missing a piece? Do you know you can call the manufacturer? Yeah, you can call them. And if you count seven pieces over, ten pieces down, this piece is missing. And they won't send you that piece, though. You know what they'll do? You have to send the whole puzzle back. Put it back in the box. And then, exactly, no! And then they'll mail you a brand new puzzle. That, oh, that pain that you felt is the pain that many of you feel when you want to start over in a relationship. But let me encourage you. I wrote down like this. Starting over is evidence that it's not over. It's not over. God gave you another puzzle to build. I know it's hard, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Loneliness is not the human condition. It's not the single condition. It's the human condition. And this last piece, you got to get it in your spirit. To taste the restoration of God, you need to drink rejection. Let me explain what this is all about. Leah, at this point, has now been married, and she is trying to get her husband to love her. And what she does, listen, is what we do. Look at what happens. Genesis chapter 29, verse 31. Then the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. He enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. Someone say Reuben. Reuben literally means, it. look, it's a boy. The Lord has noticed my misery. And watch how sad the sentence ends. And now my husband will love me. And now, because I gave him a son, maybe I'll, I'll work hard and maybe I can earn it. And I've been pastoring for a decade now. Before I became a pastor, I was a youth pastor. I would see Girls, teenage girls say, if I give him my body, then maybe he'll love me. I hear wives cry with me. I thought if I gave him that sexual position that made me feel like an object, then he would love me. Man, like, if I just went to the gym and lost some weight, if I got the car, if I became CEO, then she'll love me. If I bought the ring, gave her the diamonds, then she'll love me. If I got the implants, got the tummy tuck, then I'll be loved. Let me just help some of you. There's nothing that you can do, no money, no energy, that will cause someone to love you. You can't do anything. And Leah, at the end of her life, she gives Jacob six sons and a daughter. Rachel gives her husband two sons. And in that culture where children were everything, you think the, the wife that gave six kids would be more loved than the one that gave two. And watch. Watch what happens. Soon she became pregnant again. Someone say again. Because she thinks she's got to keep performing for love. She keep performing and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon. Said the Lord heard that I was unloved and he gave me another son. Some of you do this in your relationships. You go from one man to another thinking if you give him your body then maybe one day you'll be loved. The Lord has heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. Then she became pregnant a third time. Someone say a third time. And gave him birth to another son. He was named Levi. For said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me. Since I've given him three sons. Her focus is on her pain. Her focus is on her rejection. Her focus is on her husband and not God. And something shifts. 
I need you to see this. Some of you, this shift happened when you were single. Some of you, this shift happened after you became married. Some of you on your fifth relationship and the shift still hasn't happened. Watch what Leah says. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah. Some will say Judah. Judah means praise. Now I will praise the Lord. Now. Someone say now. She's saying something is different now. Not tomorrow. Now. Someone say now. 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 I don't need you anymore. I'm not going to work myself for your love anymore. It's not you loving me if I lose weight. It's not you loving me if I, if I glue on eyelashes or have the perm. Now God loves me. I'm not going to get from you what I can get from now, from God. Now I will praise the Lord. Judah means praise. And one day Judah have kid, have another kid, have another kid. His name was David. And then David would have a kid. And one day that, that through the line of Judah, through the line of David was a man named Jesus. Jesus left heaven. Listen, this is not a self-help talk about relationships. This is the gospel. That 2,000 years ago, through the lineage of Judah, through the lineage of David, a man left heaven. His name was Jesus and became born as a virgin. He was rejected. He was denied. He felt lonely. He was never married. He came to die for his people and his people rejected him. You think Leah was rejected? Jesus was rejected. And God put this story in there for all the people who feel loneliness and rejection to realize she is our encouragement and her hope to get out is our hope to get out. Watch. This is the best part. And then she stopped having children. First time I read that, I was like, oh man, God's blessing was removed from her. But something shifted. God was like, you want another kid, Leah? She's like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need another man to give me fulfillment. I got it from you. I don't need to work and earn my way. Maybe if I lose, no, no, no. I got my fulfillment from you. The rejection has taught me that I'm going to praise you, Jesus. The loneliness has taught me that everyone feels lonely. But when I'm connected to you, rejection teaches you this. Rejection teaches you, listen. There is not a man or woman on this planet that can fulfill your needs. Some of you, you're, looking at your, you're yelling at your spouse to complete you. God's like, bro, I'm right here. I'm right here. I love that some of you in this room, you're single and you're worried, will there ever be someone that will come and love you? He already came and loved you. His name is Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God has been pursuing you. Do you know it? He came already. Some of you are worried. What if I give someone my heart and they leave me? God will never leave you or forsake you. Stop looking at another man to fulfill you. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, the Lord himself will go before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. What if that person never fulfills my needs? What if I'm left serving and serving and they never serve me? Look what it says in Philippians 4, and my God will meet all your needs, all your needs according to his riches and glory. What if I give someone my heart and they die and they're gone, Pastor Ali? 
Philippians 4 verse 6, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 1 verse 4, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, even if they die. Watch. So that you don't grieve like the rest of mankind. They don't even call them funerals anymore. They call them celebrations of life because they can't handle death. But what, what heaven, what, what the earth calls death, we call birth. We do not grieve like the rest of mankind, mess the rest of mankind who have no hope, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. What if you give someone your heart and you say, I love you, and you serve them, and they never love you and serve you back? Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else, all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Real quick, I don't care how beautiful she is, she will never satisfy you. I don't care how wealthy he is, he will never satisfy you. Jesus is the only one. that can do that. Let me show you how this story ends because this is amazing. Genesis 30 verse 1. When Rachel saw that she, was, she wasn't having children for Jacob, she became jealous. Oh, how the tables have turned. Watch this. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children. I can almost see her like, or I'll die. Then Jacob became furious with Rachel. Am I God? He's the one that has kept you from having children. Some of you are yelling at your spouse for something that only God can give you. You're angry at the wrong person. You're angry at the wrong person. And watch how her story ends. Genesis 49. Jacob is on his deathbed. He's lived a long and full life. For most of his life, he loved Rachel and not Leah. But watch how the story ends. Then I never saw this until I studied for this sermon. Then Jacob instructed them, soon I will die and join my ancestors. Bury with me with my father and my grandfather in the, gave, in the cave in the field of Hebron and Hittite. Let me give you some background before we go to the next verse. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. God often describes himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all three patriarchs, the fathers of our faith, are born or buried in the same cave. And you think at this point in the story, Jacob is going to be buried with Rachel. But Rachel died a decade ago. And she got buried on the side of the, on the, side of the road because they were far away from this cave. But watch what happens. There Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried. And watch what Jacob says. And there I buried Leah the most busted person, the most lonely person, the most rejected person was buried with the fathers of faith. Even if your spouse rejects you, when you get it from God, he'll honor you. He'll honor you. If I get everyone to stand. 
and bow your heads and close your eyes. Single people, I want to pray for you. If you make God the focus of your life, in the end, he will bring a person that even if they don't come, you still got it from him. Married people, if you're going through it, I promise you, if you make God the focus of your life, he will grow and restore your marriage and bless it. And if you're single again, you're divorced or widowed, I promise you, if your focus is on God, in the end, he will heal and renew because he's a good God. I want to pray for all the relationships in this room. God, I pray for the people in this room, God, that are single, that are lonely, that think they're the only one who is lonely. God, teach them, remind them that there's no such thing as the one, that they're not missing a piece, God, that they are the missing piece. And God, that they need, they need to call out to you, God, and be found. And they find completeness in you. Teach them to be content long before a man or a woman shows up. God, I pray for the married people in this room that are lonely, that are more roommates than romance, that live in the same house, but maybe don't even share the same bed, that are more business partners than lovers. God, I pray, Lord, that they would realize that everyone marries Rachel, but eventually we, we all wake up next to Leah. And God, you're the one that even though we're lonely, even though we are rejected, God, when we turn to you and find our hope and fulfillment and purpose in you, God, we can find restoration, God. But we got to drink from that cup of rejection. I pray for those in this room that are tired and weary. They gave their heart. They loved and they did nothing wrong, but their spouse passed or their spouse divorced them. And they are weary for starting over. God, remind them. That evidence that they can start again is that you're not done. And there are some of you in this room. This is a holy moment that the God of heaven wants to complete you. He wants to love you. He wants a relationship with you. And he left heaven 2,000 years ago and God became a man. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless and perfect life. And God, the lover of your soul, for 33 years lived earth. He did miracles, did he healed the blind, the, the lame walked, the, the, the dead were raised. But he didn't come to do just miracles. He didn't just come to do ministry. He came to die. He came to take sin and death upon himself so that you could live. He's the loverless. He's the Romeo and Juliet who said, I want to die so that you can live. I'll drink the poison so that you can find life. I'll be rejected so that you can be accepted. I'll be lonely on the cross so that you can find adoption in the Father. And that God, his name is Jesus, and he loves you, and he wants a relationship with you, with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you want to start a relationship this morning with the living God, and you've never prayed that prayer before, I want to count to three. I want you to shoot your hand up. You're not saying yes to me or this church. You're saying yes to Jesus, the one who completes you. On the count of three, one, two, Three. If that's you, just shoot your hand up. If that's you, just shoot your hand up. Amen, amen, amen. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. Just pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone, say thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for being my soulmate. And like a good spouse, you love me when I didn't deserve it. 
You served me when I wasn't worthy of it. You came to die for me. You paid my penalty. You, you took upon my sin on yourself. You died so that I could live. I receive your free gift of salvation. But Lord, you asked me to repent. You asked me to turn from my sin. Turn from my ways. And find my hope, my identity, and my lordship in you. You're not just my savior. You're my master. My king. And the lover of my soul. As much as I understand now, I make you the God of my life. And I find my wholeness in you. Thank you for loving me. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. If you want to follow us on social media and just stay up to our current events, our social media handle is Bold Church SV. That's Bold Church SV for Silicon Valley. We hope you stay blessed and we'll see you soon. Thank you.